0: Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Breakfast today is sponsored by David Isit, dedicated in honor of the Ravanim. Hazaku Baruch. <clears> Moshe et <throat> Yosef imo. And Moshe took along with him, as he left Egypt, he took the bones of Yosef along with him. And this is a fascinating pasuk. Where do we, uh, where do we come towards this idea? The rabbis explain in the Midrash on the pasuk, it says, chacham lev mitzvot, a wise heart will take mitzvot, right? Why? Shekol Yisrael, all of the Jewish people, they were dealing with gold and silver. And Moshe was busy taking care of the Atzmot Yosef, like we read uh, in the end of the parasha, right? Because Yosef had made them swear to him, when you'll, uh, when God will, uh, will uh, redeem his promise to take you out of Egypt, and you'll take away my, asamot, my bones with you uh, from Egypt. The wise heart takes mitzvot. So Moshe who had a wise heart, took the mitzvah. He took with the the casket of Yosef. Whereas, what's it called? The Jewish people are busy with the silver and gold. Now the Mifarashim asks a very interesting question. What does that mean? Why are we deciding to say that Moshe has a wise heart and the rest of the people don't? Why are they dealing in gold and silver? What gold and silver are these slaves dealing with exactly? If you look back in the parasha before, what do we see? Moshe says to them, please, each one of you, go to your Egyptian uh, taskmaster. I need someone to record the rest of the show. My phone's about to die. Okay? Uh, Moshe told each person, he told them, uh, go, to the, go to the Egyptian that was with you, and please, he says, ask them if you could have gold, their silver, their special vessels, and if you do that, then I will come clean on my promise to Abraham Avinu. What does that mean? Now, I need to set this up because I think that there's a very powerful lesson here. What, is, what does this mean? When Avraham Avinu uh, has the conversation with God at the covenant, Avraham is told by God, you should know that your children are going to be enslaved and, uh, and tortured and broken for 400 years. And after that, they're going to leave with a great treasure. HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, please do me a favor, dahilak. Go get the Jews to borrow the money and take all this money that they are owed by the Egyptians with them. That that Sadiq, Avraham, shouldn't say, the first part of the contract you kept. You, you kept that part. You put my children in, uh, in, uh, in slavery. The second part of the contract you didn't keep because the Jewish people didn't leave with great wealth. So please ask the Jews to go and borrow all this money. That's the simple version about what's going on. So what do we mean when we say, Moshe has a wise heart because he's doing misvot. All the people are doing misvot. Because the Jews who were dealing with gold and silver were also doing a misvah, wow. listening to Moshe Rabenu and going to collect the gold. Right? So this question has many answers. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you the most obvious answer and then I'm going to give you a little bit of a deeper answer. The more, most obvious answer is, Chacham lev yikach mitzvot means that there's two mitzvot on the table. One mitzvah is get paid. One mitzvah is go get money. What's the other mitzvah? Go get some bones. Go do a kivurah. Go get uh, uh, some bones from an old Sadiq, Put them on your shoulder. Forget the money. Here's another mitzvah. Chacham lev yikach mitzvot It takes a certain wisdom in the heart to be able to see past the shine of the gold and silver, and to think that it's enough, to, you know, to get, because Moshe Rabbeinu has two mitzvot in front of him. Which one does he choose? He chooses the less popular one. So maybe that's the wisdom that we're referring to. Okay, that's the obvious answer. In fact, later on, what do we see in this week's parasha? What is the highlight of Parashat Bishalach, the splitting of the sea? How does the sea split? The Pasuk says in Halel, Ra'a Hayam Bayanos. What did the sea see? S-E-A, S-E-E. What did the sea see? In order that it should run away, answers the Gemara, Nas Mipnei Nas. It ran from in front of a runner. The sea didn't refuse to split. But then when Moshe Rabbeinu came forward holding the bones of Yosef that it says about him Vayanos hachutza Ra'ah hayam Vayanos Same word, Vayanos, Vayanos So what causes the seed to split? What saves the entirety of the Jewish people? With the bones of Yosef that only one person amongst the whole Jews had the wisdom in his heart had the strength of character to choose, even though they were both mitzvot. Rabotai, is that not our life as well? Guy says, you know, Rabbi, I wish I could uh, do this mitzvah, but I'm very busy doing, doing all these other mitzvot. <laughs> right? Somehow, you know which mitzvah always gets shafted? It's the mitzvah that nobody wants to do. But you know what we don't realize? Chacham levikach mitzvot. What does it mean? It means that the wise man... He takes the mitzvah instead of letting the mitzvot come to him. Certain mitzvot they come naturally to us. Like I'll give you an example: Is it a mitzvah to love your wife? It is. Mitzvah to love your children? It is. Is it a mitzvah to feed your children? It is. That's a mitzvah that comes naturally to you. You'd be a heartless person if you didn't feed your own family. So what do we do? We run to the mitzvot that are easy for us to do. Ooh, Lee! But to keep your mouth shut in an argument. How many people do that? How many people could let someone embarrass them and just be big enough not to get involved, not to sink into the mud with the other guy? That's an unpopular mitzvah. So number one, the first lesson we learn over here is the chachamim say chacham levi kach mitzvot. Who is that? That's Moshe. That he left the gold and the silver and what does he choose to do instead? He chooses to do the atzmot Both of them are mitzvot. But Moshe chooses the unpopular mitzvah. And our rabbis tell us, that each mitzvah carries within it like rocket fuel, okay? Now imagine, I don't know if ever this happens to you, there's never a time where people feel butterflies in their stomach and more anxiousness than when you're sitting in long lines in the airport and all of a sudden they open up another line. You see everybody's grabbing bags, their family had that takes his kid by the hair. You know, he's running. You know, they're running to catch the next line. That's how it works, right? All of a sudden, you see this new line open up. Why? Because everybody's here on this line. Only one person on that line. How much faster am I going to get it? to have a tremendous amount of wellspring of berachah. But if 50,000 people are drinking from that wellspring, what are you going to get from it? Very much less. When there's a mitzvah that was abandoned by everybody else. And you're doing that mitzvah, the biracha and the zechut you get from that mitzvah is enormous. Because the mitzvah is abandoned by everybody else. There was a great idea that was started a long time ago by someone. He said, you know, a lot of people learning Torah on a lot of days. Which day does nobody learn Torah on? Purim. So he started this little kolel where on Purim he would get a few people. Everyone's running around, costumes, batik. Spend an hour and sit and learn. This thing spread like wildfire, which I was always cracking up about. Because the whole item was, it's a mitzvah, it's left alone, you're getting all the sachar. But now he's got everybody going there, so he loads it out again. You know, I thought it was amazing. I think the guy, secretly, he tells everyone, learn from 7 to 8. And he, on the QT, he learns from 8 to 9. <laughs> okay? But that's the first understanding of this uh, idea. But I, I'd like to share with you a little bit more of a nuanced idea, okay? I think there's something here which is very powerful. The Dubna it gives an example, and I'd like to update the example. You have a guy, big man, you know, uh, in, in, uh, in the community. He's approached by a friend. The friend comes to him and he says, listen, my son, uh, he's just finished university. He's starting out on his own, get himself a new apartment. You know, he's trying to, you know, make his way in the world. Is there any way you could give him a job in the company? Guy says, sure, no problem. The kid starts to work, he works very hard. One month goes by, end of the month, the guy, he walks into the office of the, of the owner of the company, best friends with his dad, payday. And he says, uh, you know, it's been such an honor to work here for this month, I'm looking forward to working with you for a long time, Be'ezet He says, can I get paid? The guy says, I'm not paying you, with a big smile. He says, you're not paying me. He goes, no. You know what I'm doing for you, he says? I'm giving you stock options. (laughs) I'm giving you equity in the company. Kid says, Take your equity and put it where the sun don't shine. I don't need your equity. I need rent. I need rent. Comes back to his father. He's so upset. He tells his father, The guy's crazy. I worked for him for a month. He's giving me these papers. With options and equity, he goes, I need money. I need Nadi, I need Fluce, I need Kesef, shavet Kesef. The father's trying to explain to the kid that he's an idiot because, any, you know, you, what you want actually is you don't want money that you're gonna spend. You want something that as the company grows, you're poor. In fact, but the kid says, No, I need, I had no money for rat, back and forth, back and forth, until finally he comes to the, his friend and he says, Listen, what you did was incredibly generous. I can't thank you enough. But the kid, he doesn't know. He's too young to understand the value of what you've, of the gift you've given to him. So instead, he says, give him a few pennies he's worth as an intern. Give him a couple dollars, and that'll make him happier than your big gift. Rabotai, it is only a child, an immature person, that would value that over that. It is the nature of the stage of life that he is in that makes him value a couple of dollars more than the equity after someone's been working in the industry for years he won't take the dollars he's only coming on board if you give him a percentage of the company that's what he wants that's where the big money is but the kid is not mature enough his life situation is not mature enough he needs rent he can't pay to be in the apartment he's not mature enough now if he was mature enough what would he do he would say you know what you're 100 right this is the biggest gift ever I'm going to leave my apartment where I need to pay rent, where the circumstances of my life are forcing me to make immature decisions. I'll move back into the basement of my parents because the gift that you're giving me is so valuable. It just means I don't have liquid right now. Rabotai, that is the conversation that happens between Boreo Olam and the Jewish people. Bore Olam says to Avraham Avinu, I'm going to bring your children down to Misraim. And you know what? I'm gonna bring them out gadol, Hakadosh Baruch says to Moshe, please. Al chachamim says, why does God say please to Moshe? Please, he says, Ask them to ask the, the Egyptians for money. Shelo Yomar oto Sadiq that that Sadiq shouldn't say you kept the first part of the bar, of the contract, but not the second. All the commentators ask, what? The only reason why God kept his word is because Abraham was gonna complain? Why did he keep his word? Because he keeps his word, because he's God. Like we always say, Ani Hashem, I am God Ne'eman, trustworthy to keep my word, to pay to pay good reward to those that are righteous, those who deserve it, those that I promised. And the answer the Mifarashim give is that what God is saying is, I was gonna give them Rihush Gadol. I'm letting them leave with something important. I'm letting them leave with all the lessons and all the, uh, the emunah, that being in Egypt, that's the great gift that I spoke about. But I'm worried that Avraham Avinu is going to come to me like the dad in the story and say, it's true that you promised me that, but my kid who's now been a slave for so long who forgot the value of spiritual gifts, who will look at a gadol and say, you didn't pay me. I need some gold and silver because I'm a slave, and those are my musagim. Those are my understandings of the way the world works. Pay him in a language he understands. So, Olam, in order that the Sadiq shouldn't say it, he kept his word already. But in order there shouldn't be a complaint by someone who misunderstood the value of what was being given, he says, Go and give them this too. Chacham lev, but it's Moshe Rabenu who understands different. Now I want to prove this to you. And then I'm going to drive home Hashem our lesson today. Later on, we know the Jewish people get gold and silver two times. The first time they get gold and silver is in Egypt. The second time they get gold and silver, even more gold and silver, is where? By the Yamsuf. Yam and we'll read it in the parashah. It says Vayasa Otam and Moshe, he made them travel. And our Chachamim explained he had to force them to travel. He had to Pull them, yank them by the arms, drag them away from the gold and silver. And all the commentators ask, I don't understand. Moshe, why are you dragging them away? Let them gather the gold and silver. It was a promise that was made by God to Abraham. Why is Hashem not worried about His promise now? Let them gather all the gold and silver. The answer is, the answer is, if this kid on his first day at work complains to his dad about getting stock options and equity instead of money fine. If the kid grows up and still is asking for three dollars instead of a portion in the company that's a problem. Moshe Rabenu is willing to let the slaves think like slaves, think small minded think immature when they're leaving Egypt. But you just had the sea split. They just saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu what the simplest maidservant saw at the splitting of the sea was greater in revelation and in nevuah than more than one of the greatest prophets saw in all of his tenure as a prophet. You're now on the other side of the sea. At this stage, you're still running around dragging the gold and silver. Grow up. Get out of the sandbox. Don't you understand that the prize is a little bit down the ways when we're going to go to Hades Sinai to serve God to become the chosen people? Don't you understand now that that's why you were avadim, like we say in in the uh, pasuk, Hallelujah Amunai. Right? What do we call the Jewish people? They are avdei Amunai, the servants of God. Don't you see that that was the point here? Now, Rabbi, all of us live a life like this where we struggle and we veer between the short-term delights of our life and the long-term benefits uh, that life has to offer. Where we have to make a decision about a little bit more money, or a little bit more comfort, or a little bit more X, Y, Z, or family, or the right thing, or siddhaka. Now, I'm not here to tell you the balance. I'll let your heart figure that out. But as an example, do i need the next vacation before i've given a little bit more to sadaqah i don't know that i need that that's the jew sitting at the yamsuf with the goldness of moshe Rabbeinu saying come on already Grow, grow up like i get when you're 20 and you're hungry and you want to hustle and conquer the world i get it you're young your circumstances of life force you to have that money i get it but now you're here how much more how much more do you need now now again i'm not saying this only about someone only about money, only about being financially secure. I'm not saying it about that. This is about much broader things. And I'd like to give you a pointed example. You know, in marriage, as an example, when someone is young, the definition of love and affection, quite often the beginning of marriage, is primarily physical. Is that true? The love that they're getting from one another is Primarily described and quantified in the physical interaction, whether it's intimacy, whether it's affection, whether it's embracing, etc., etc. In the beginning of marriage. If that's all that you have, after 50 years of marriage, Shema Israel. You know why? Because that anyone could give you. The true value in marriage is the deep stuff, is the loyalty, is the trust is the support that someone gives you on a bad day. Now, in the beginning, that's not way you're looking at it, but that's how life is supposed to progress. You're supposed to be able eventually to recognize that I thought this was gold when I was young, but now I see it was only fool's gold. The real gold was something much deeper. The real gold might even be something that I can't see and that I can't feel. Rabbi this is true about friendship as a kid. What's friendship? Friendship is a great time with the guy who has the most charismatic, he's the funniest guy, everyone, he's the big, the life of the party. That's how you think what the the peak of friendship is when you're young. Having a great, fun friend, that everything is a party, amazing. But until when? Until when is your best friend the guy that throws the craziest party? Until when? When do you mature beyond that and you value a friendship where the person is with you no matter what? where even if you lost everything you had, the guy would still call you every Thursday night. And you'd still go out for a drink. And you wouldn't be able to afford it, but the guy would go with you to a place where you could afford so that you'd be happier. Until when? Until when are we the child? That's what the Pasuk says. That it was wise of Moshe Rabbeinu to choose it in the first, and you know what? You gotta let people make those mistakes initially. You know, when a guy tells you, a little kid tells you, you know, uh, I'm dating, this girl She's not pretty enough for me. And I'm looking at the guy, like, have you seen yourself? You know, come on. Now, I'm willing to let a 21-year-old guy tell me, look, I gotta be, you know, the girl's gotta date, you gotta. I'm willing, fine, 21-year-old, you're a baby. But now, now you're 40, and now you're dating at 40, you know, and you're still playing the same games. You know, come on. Rabbi will tell you, this applies to everybody on every level. And each level that you get requires another peeling back of the layer, whereas you attain life's wisdom, you recognize that there's something deeper than that which is obvious. I'll give you an example and we'll end with this. As a rabbi, what's the first thing you think you need to do in order to have success? The first thing you think is, we well, have a lot of people. A lot of people. So let's, if we fill the shul, Then you're successful as a rabbi. That's the initial understanding. But meanwhile, really that's not the case at all. Can I give you an example? Let's say as a rabbi, in order to get everyone in the building, I made prayers on Shabbat morning, 12 minutes long. (coughs) I get known in town for having a 12 minute long Shabbat morning prayer service. Jammed! Should I feel good about myself? No, dib. You didn't get people because you gave them something of value. You got people in the most juvenile, in the simplest of ways. Eventually, we demand of a person levels of growth where there's a chokhmat lev, in his marriage, in his friendship, in his business, in his sheifot, what he does for the community. You know, As we grow older, we get, we're supposed to be wiser. And instead of the way it works now in the community, where people donate their time to the community when they're young kids... They're volunteering when they're 18. It should be the opposite. Now you're 40, 50, 60. Now you have real life experience. Now come on board and now give that time. Your contribution will be so much more valuable with everything that you have now. But Otay, sometimes we think the opposite way around, and that's what the pasuk is telling us. Amen.